with you this evening. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. And it really is such a, a joy and honor to celebrate the birth of Jesus with you tonight. And um, I, I know that there is a lot of excitement in the room, a lot of excitement with, uh, with our younger population. Maybe you're feeling excited tonight, kind of like the guy on the screen right now. Go ahead and watch this. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Sign this for me. Oh, hi. Santa's coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're excited. And we all are excited because for most of us in the room, there, there really will be this joyous kind of gift-giving part of our celebration. And it's always fun to get good gifts. And I'm sure you've had some gifts that have been given to you over the years that were really, really brought you excitement and joy. Uh, uh, several years ago, my sister gave me a gift when I turned 40 years old. And I'm just going to show it to you tonight. I don't know if you can tell what this is. This is a, a nose hair trimmer. I don't know if, if you would be excited about getting a nose hair trimmer, but I'm, I was thrilled because I needed it so desperately. And it is so easy to use, honestly. It's just like... <laughs> hours of fun. This is a dumb joke, but it's a really good gift. And and I want to talk about a really good gift that actually God is giving us. And it's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate at Christmas the giving of a really good gift that God is giving the world, that God's giving us. And you might be familiar with this story. It's, it's a well-told tale. You can find it in Luke chapter 2, where this young teenager named Mary, she's visited by an angel. And, and the angel lets her know that, that God favors her, that, that, that God has a plan, this miraculous plan for Mary, and, and she's going to be pregnant. It's going to be a miracle because this, this young girl, she's never known a man, so this is a miracle, and, and, and all of this is going to happen. She's going to have a son, and it's going to be the son of God Most High. And she's to give him the name Jesus. So the, the angel downloads all of this information to Mary, and Mary says, well, I'm the Lord's servant, so may it be to me as you've said. And then the Bible doesn't tell us what happens immediately afterwards. But we know that she had to have a conversation with Joseph because she was engaged to be married to Joseph. And she had to tell him that she was pregnant and that the baby that she was carrying was not his baby. And, and you could imagine how that sounded to Joseph, how he responded, probably like every other man would respond in the history of the world. He was shocked, just absolutely shocked. And, and, and he wrestled with what to do. Because on the one hand, he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to, to, to divorce her publicly or, or you know, cause a scandal that way. But on the other hand, he wasn't sure if he should just marry her because she was telling him that this was a miracle. And she was telling him that, that this was a part of God's special plan. But, but come on, like that just sounds so hard to believe. And, and so he's wrestling with all this when this happens in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. Because all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. 
She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Oh, I, I skipped a part. Sorry. Let's go back. Sorry. Matthew 1, 20, 21. I'm sorry. He's considering breaking off the engagement, and it says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, what's important about that passage is the angel tells Joseph, look, Mary's telling the truth. She's, she's legit in this, and, and the angel confirms all of the details that Mary had already communicated to Joseph including down to the very name that the child was to be given, Jesus, because it's a powerful name. It, it means that he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to save us from our sins. And, and then the, the angel kind of shifts it because he wants Joseph to see that this is not a plan that was sort of hatched recently, that this was a plan that was a part of God's heart for a long, long time, since the foundation of the world, actually and communicated through the prophets of Israel. And, and that's the verse I read earlier, verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him, look at this, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Amen. So the angel says, hundreds of years before you were born, Joseph, God already had a plan. And, and this plan was that he would give a gift to the world. And this gift is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so the angel says to Joseph, so you go ahead and marry this young girl, Mary. She's, she's definitely on the level. And so in verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. You see, when we celebrate Christmas, we are talking about this gift that God gives the world of love. And the first thing that you might want to note is this, that God wrapped his gift in the non-spectacular. He wrapped it in the non-spectacular. And we're talking about a virgin birth here, and, and, and a virgin birth really is a miracle. I mean, that is a miracle for sure. It's just not a spectacle. It's, it's just not sort of a spectacular type of thing. It's actually quiet and reserved and internal. And when you think about Jesus, you know Jesus knows how to do exits, right? You know how he, he knows how to do resurrection, ascension. I mean, these are unforgettable, right? The, the, these are absolutely wow factor kinds of exits. But the arrival, that's a little different, right? That's sort of under the radar. He's, he's born to this young teen in the midst of uncertainty and poverty without spectacle, in lowly circumstances, he's, he's born in a barn, and his first bed is a feeding trough. And we don't use these kind of language. We use stable and manger because, you know, poetry, right? But I hope you understand that, that Jesus, he, he was laid in a feed bin with straw and cow slobber in the midst of a shed that reeked of barnyard animal. That was the entrance of the Savior of the world. Now, I just want to tell you, if I was God, I, I would have the entrance be a little different, right? I would, I would love spectacular. That's my plan. I mean, I would do Super Bowl halftime show, right? A billion people watching around the planet. The baby descends from heaven wrapped in Shekinah glory, floating right down into Bono's jacket. You know, like that, 
That's the story I would write, right? I would choose spectacular, but that's not what God chose. God chose humble. And there's a reason I believe that God chose humble. It's because spectacular might have caused us to miss the entire point. You see, he didn't come to, to clean the barn up or to dignify Mary or Joseph up or to clean up their finances or position. He didn't come to be above us at all. He came to be among us. And he came in this way to be as accessible as possible, as humble and unpretentious and connectable as possible. See, one of the most common arguments against God is, God, you don't understand what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be alone or to be cold or hungry or scared. You don't know what it's like to fear failure. You don't know what it's like to be betrayed or abandoned, deserted. You don't know what it's like to have a friend stab you in the back. And you don't know what it's like to be human. And Christmas is God's way of saying, yes, I do. Christmas is a divine act of solidarity with us. And, and we should really be excited about this perfect gift of accessible love that God is giving us. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody just open the perfect gift for their life stages, how excited they are when they open the perfect gift. We found a video. Maybe, maybe you'll like this. excitement for you because Jesus is the perfect gift. He's even better than a hanger, okay? And the next thing to remember about God's gift is that God's gift is so much more than it appears. It's so much more than it appears on the surface. I heard a story recently about that show Storage Wars, and, and they purchased a storage unit for $500, and when they opened that abandoned unit, they found a safe and inside the safe was $7.5 million. $500 yielded $7.5 million. It was way more than they anticipated. It was way more than they thought or that it appeared to be. And I, and I just want you to understand the gift of God in Jesus is absolutely like this. You see, God's doing something wonderful. And, and throughout the history of the nation of Israel... There were prophets that spoke about the coming of God's anointed. There were, there were prophets that, that talked about the coming of Messiah. And so we read in Isaiah this verse. It says, for a child is born to us and a son is given to us and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You see, these are all descriptors of Jesus. Jesus. 
And they go along with the other descriptor that we just read a few moments ago, Emmanuel. And all of these together are a part of this beautiful gift that God is offering to us. Because you see, God's gift is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And and that's the claim about Jesus, that he is God with us, that he is God with skin on, that he has stepped onto the pages of history and he's come to reveal God's heart of love and and to display God's heart of grace and, and to show God's heart of compassion for each and every person. You know, he came to to show us how to get in on a life of living with God's love flowing over us and, and to how, how, how to show that love to other people. He, he came to, to show us that we could be forgiven and cleansed and saved and made whole, not only in this lifetime, but in the life to come. And, and Jesus, he's so unique. When, when you gaze at Jesus, you see the face of God. That Jesus himself said that I and the Father are one. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the book of Colossians says this. It says, Christ, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. It's God with us. It's Jesus. And occasionally I'll get asked this because I'm a pastor and I've been a pastor for many years. Someone will come up to me and say, you know, pastor, aren't all religions the same? Like, isn't it true? All religions are basically the same. And I, I just want to let you know that, that all religions, are, they're not the same. As a part of, of my philosophy degree, I studied comparative world religions. And, and, and there are things that are beautiful and valuable. And, and there's some a connectedness to all religions. That's why people sign up for them. But you need to understand that religions are actually vastly different. And not just like conceptually about the difference between enlightenment, nirvana, heaven, that kind of thing. But really substantially about what the lifestyle is, what the belief structure is, what they're advocating, etc. But there is one thing about all religions that's the same. And I include Christianity in this when it's treated as a religion. All religions are the same in this. That they are humanity's attempt to get to God. All religions are man-made attempts to get into the favor of God. It's it's human effort. It's it's based on human uh, resilience or or spiritual effort or moral merit to get into God's presence and to earn his favor. But please understand, we're not talking about religion tonight. Because the gift that God gives... The gift of Christmas, it's the exact opposite of this. See, the gift that God reveals is that he is the one taking the initiative. Jesus is pursuing our hearts, revealing God's heart that pursues us. This is the opposite of religion. It's not about us making ourselves right with God, but about God loving us and coming to us in order to make things right with us and between us and then even dwell inside of us. This is the miraculous gift of God with us in Jesus. And he gives us everything that we need. Uh, We need his presence most of all. And so he doesn't wait until we get the messy cleaned up. He doesn't wait until we get our ducks in a row. He doesn't wait until we get it all sorted out. This is the miracle of Christmas. You see, the fancy word for all this is incarnation. And it really is so central. The the theologian and author C.S. Lewis, he's the one who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. 
He says this. The central miracle asserted by, Chris, by Christians is the incarnation. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. It was the central event in the history of the earth. The very thing the whole story has been about. Friends, I want you to know that this is a miracle that surpasses human comprehension. Where creator enters into creation. Where the author enters into his novel. Where eternal enters into time and space. God wrapping himself in human flesh. Coming to live and to die and to rise again for salvation, which is the good news of great joy for all people. You see, the purpose behind Jesus coming in such a way is that we would be able to embrace God with us. We would, we would embrace Jesus as Emmanuel. John 1.14 says this. So the word, speaking of Jesus, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, Jesus was like no one else who ever lived. He was king of kings and yet humble like no other, coming in such a lowly manner so as to be accessible to everyone, regardless of status or station. He's the Lord of lords and yet gracious like no other. He taught and modeled, turned the other cheek. Love your friends and your enemies. Even those who were nailing him to that Roman cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, and he meant it. Jesus is Savior like no other. He desires our salvation. It was the needful purpose for which he came, that unique gift that only he offers. And in fact, it's what his name means. Jesus means God saves, God delivers, God rescues and he saves us in this life and for the next life through his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his invitation to each and every one of us. And Jesus is Christ. By the way, that's not his last name. That's not a cuss word. Christ just means Lord. It means God's anointed. It means Messiah. And Jesus is Messiah. He's Emmanuel, God with us. You know... It, at this time of year, we invite him to come, and we prepare him room to be born again. And, and, and I would say this, that there's actually an old carol that you might be familiar with. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the lyrics of, of that carol are powerful because it, there's this cry of our hearts, O come and set the captives free. O come and rescue Oh, come and, and, and send dark shadows to flight. There's this heartfelt desperation almost that, Emmanuel, you are what we need more than anything. And then if you'll note, it's because of Emmanuel, God with us, that we truly can rejoice together. So why don't you stand now and, and let's sing that old carol together.
can take a seat. That song uh, is about Emmanuel, God with us, and, and that's God's gift that he's offered to each and every one of us. And, and you know, the interesting thing about a gift is this, that, that you can have a gift, that it, it can be wrapped up, that it can have your name on it, sitting under your tree. In fact, I would imagine that so many of us, that's exactly what's true in our homes. We've got gifts wrapped and labeled for us under the tree. But I would suggest they're not yours yet. Because in order for the gift to be yours, you've got to claim it. And you've got to unwrap it and open it and wear it or use it or play with it or enjoy it. That's how it becomes yours. And the the same thing is true spiritually. That you have an opportunity to unwrap God's gift for you this evening. And you know what's interesting is you think about God's gift of love. And you might push back a little bit like, "Why, why would he love me? I know me, and, and I, don't, I don't know that I'm all that lovable. I don't know that I'm all that deserving of, of God's love. And, and I just want to assure you that, that when you unwrap God's gift of love, there's, there's no judgment and there's no condemnation. That when you unwrap God's gift, you will experience his love for you, his lavish love poured out over you. you can, you'll experience his grace upon grace upon grace over your life. You know, he... He made you in love, and he wants a relationship of love with you. He's, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He, he's been with you every day of your life, and he wants you to understand his heart for you is good. His heart for you is love. He, he has only this blessing and surprise and adventure in store for you. I get a chance. I, I work with a friend of mine named Kellen. And Kellen, uh, her mom's name's Bonnie, and Bonnie has been a longtime member of Overlay Christian Church, a devoted volunteer. She's a dear friend of mine. Many of you might know her. And, and Bonnie passed away last year. She went to be with the Lord. And at her memorial, Kellen shared a story about her mom, and, and it was so special, so touching, that I asked if I could share it with you tonight. And the story goes like this. When, when Kellen was about eight years old or so, it was Christmas time, and, and she got the idea that it would be a good thought to search the house to see if she could find any hidden Christmas presents around ahead of time. Now, let me just be honest. This is a bad idea. Do not do this at home. But Kellen was eight years old, and she thought, oh, this is a good idea. Let me, let me go and let me search the house. Now, Bonnie had hidden presents well, but Kellen searched for presents better, and so she found all of these presents that Bonnie had, in fact, in store for her. And, and yet, Kellen was only eight years old, so she did not do a good job of covering her tracks, which means that she got caught by Bonnie. And because she got caught, I mean, just so you know, I, I want to be really clear. If you do this, you're on the naughty list. And that's what happened to Kellen. She sort of got in trouble. She's on the naughty list. And, and so it was an interesting scene that unfolded on Christmas morning because there was just a hint of sadness in the air. Kellen opened up her presents that were wrapped for her, and she tried to pretend that she was happy and surprised in the moment, but really she was a little sad because she knew she had wounded her mom's heart. Because, you see, for Bonnie, what was really important is that surprise. What was really important is that look of joy. Bonnie was such a good gift giver, and she would give thoughtful gifts. She would give useful gifts. She'd give special gifts. And Kellen had kind of ruined all that by being naughty and 
And so there was just a hint of sadness in the air, and, and all the presents got opened around the tree, and everyone just kind of took a pause. It was a quiet moment. It was almost like, well, that's that. And then Bonnie smiled, and she took Kellen by the hand, and she said, come here. And she walked over to the hall closet, and she said, open it. And Kellen opened up the hall closet, and Christmas presents spilled out that she did not know Bonnie was going to get for her. And Bonnie was able to give her this Christmas surprise. And for Kellen, it was like a Christmas miracle because her little eight-year-old heart already felt guilty. She knew she was on the naughty list. She didn't even deserve the gifts that she had already opened. And yet here was Bonnie giving her even more gifts. And, and Kellen said, this is what I'm going to remember about my mom for the whole rest of my life. And I want to tell you that story because you need to know that Bonnie revealed the heart of God that day. You see, it's not God gives his gift of love to those who deserve it. You know, we ask that question all the time around Christmas. Have you been a good boy? Have you been a good girl? Well, then you deserve a gift. Let me be honest with you. If you deserve it, it's not a gift. It's a wage. Right? If you deserve it, if you've worked for it, it's a wage. Gift, by definition, is grace. And God's gift, friends, is all grace. It's all grace. He knit you in love. And, and he's, he's been with you every moment of your life. And he wants this relationship of love with you. And he wants to pour it out over you so that you'll experience his forgiveness and his cleansing, his salvation. You'll have this relationship of love that starts now and lasts for eternity. And that's God's gift. And you could unwrap that gift tonight. And you say, well, how does that happen? You know, it's, it's so simple. The Bible is, is so clear about this that, that how we unwrap God's gift is we believe. That's why it's called faith, that we just step across the line and, and, and we believe. And when we believe that Jesus is Emmanuel, Amen. we receive the gift of his love. The scripture says this in John 1, 12, to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. So what I want to do right now is I want to lead us in a prayer. And I ask that you would join me in this prayer because I want all of us to know that we have unwrapped God's gift of love this Christmas and that we are all God's children together. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And Lord Jesus, what we want to do is we want to begin with gratitude. We want to say thank you. Thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for coming to reveal God's heart of love. Thank you for coming to display God's heart of grace. Thank you for, for coming to, to perfectly illustrate the compassionate heart of God that relentlessly pursues us all the way through our lives, even to this moment right now. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are God's gift, God with us. And so we want to say yes to you today. We want to say we believe in you tonight. We want to say that we receive your love in our lives. We ask that, that you would come and that you would be with us and that you would allow us to continue this journey with you, holding your hand, learning and growing and discovering all along the way. We know this isn't the end of a journey, but just the beginning of an amazing journey of love with you. 
until we receive your gift tonight. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.